racing cars need racing fuel. And Race Fuels is the best, most convenient way to power through your next meeting. Our famous Elf Race 102 is the control fuel of choice for the Touring Car Masters. It's available at the Bowsers, at Sydney Motorsport Park and the Bend. And it's available in drums at Winton. Imported direct from France, Elf Race 102 is affordable horsepower. For more details, head to racefuels.com.au. coming for a long time. These two do not like each other. There are two parts of the story as always. Red flag, this is a suspended uh, race. Welcome back to the Parked Up Podcast, episode 32 of the world's best podcast called Parked Up. It's powered by Race Fuels. My name's Grant Rowley and with me, as always, is Tony D. Tony, we have lots to run through in a big episode. Ah, oh, we certainly do, Grant. So much news over the weekend, especially in Team Penske land. Uh, obviously, a big announcement there. And we'll run through that in the news very, very shortly. But there was also quite a bit of racing to cover as well. So, and not to mention, we've got a very special guest on this show, which I'll let you reveal because mm. I, I feel like you've done the hard work and uh, you put all the effort in to try and get this guy. So, uh <laughs> Yep, Shane Van Gisbergen, the brand new Bathurst 1000 champion is going to join us for a chat about his success and about his quarantining that he's uh, being forced to do at the moment while he waits to get back into the the land of the free over there in New Zealand. Speaking of land of the free, uh, us Victorians down here, the poor old Victorians are are actually creating some good news uh, today, certainly with zero cases and the uh, looks like the shops might even reopen later this week. So uh, we're, we're learning how to live with this disease, Tony. Isn't it about time, though? I think there's that much pressure from everyone in Victoria to Dan Andrews to actually get this state up and running again. Finally, finally, we see a little bit of uh, reprieve from the lockdown that we've faced. Um, I think everyone's pretty disappointed on the weekend not to um, have some good news. So that, that's great, you know, uh, to, to try and get things up and going and maybe some normality again, Grant. Maybe. Maybe, maybe. maybe. We'll see. Don't Let's... get too excited just yet. Let's not uh, rule out uh, a third wave. <laughs> no, I don't. Even, I don't even want to say that. That's a joke. Do not jinx anything. All right. Um, look, we've got a big show. We thank everyone for for tuning in. We're up to thirty two weeks of doing this, and we have to say our numbers are really good. And we thank uh, the likes of Race Fuels for their continued support, and of course, motorsportwebsites.com.au. We'll talk a little bit more about them a little later on, but also uh, some good friends that we've made at Reaction Performance who have been looking after my uh, health and well-being during these COVID times. Uh, Tony, you sent me a bit of a challenge and we'll grab Lee Stamation on the phone a little later in the episode, but uh, I got tasked with a challenge of losing some weight and uh, shedding some COVID uh, chaos that's been happening around my belly. Um, and I have to say it's, uh, it's been going, going really well. So, um, oh, let's, let's, let, let's wait till we hear from Lee to see how it's going. Okay. Yep. No, but, uh, I guess my point is I'd like to thank the people who have supported us, uh, and encourage anyone who is listening to please subscribe to us on, uh, you know, mainly through the Apple podcasts or, or even Spotify, you can, subscribe it's a a really easy task i don't know if you've ever done it like you you're listening to us and you'd see our channel if you could just hit the subscribe button that like 
Tony would be, he'll, he'll send you some flowers. I'll do backflips for you. Um, there we go. Yeah, that, and that's a promise, okay? So uh, whoever subscribes will get one backflip from me. All right. All right. If we can get uh, lots of subscribers, then the more subscribers, the uh, the the more risky we'll get Tony to do those backflips. So um, if we can get enough, we might get him to do one off the Westgate. So um, oh, geez, settle down. Too much. Too much. Okay, it's a big show. Heaps and heaps of news. Tony D, let's get into it. News came thick and fast this week. Our new segment is brought to you by motorsportwebsites.com.au. They know motorsport. They know how to build websites. They can also do a whole bunch of other things like make logos and, and, and merchandise and a whole bunch of other things. Motorsportwebsites.com.au. They built the parkedup.com.au site. Uh, it's awesome. You should go there, check it out, and then get in touch with the motorsport website guys who will look after you. Tony? Team Penske has been part of the news cycle for many, many months now with lots of questions and rumours about will the Penske organisation remain with the team, what's happening with Scott McLaughlin. Both of those answers came on Saturday morning and the answer was that both of them are leaving. So you've obviously driven and been a part of that team for the last five years. I guess the news wasn't wasn't sudden because it's been it's been brewing for a long time. But you know, when reality sets in and that's what's happening, what was your feels? Yeah, it was a, a little bit of a shock, um, and and not so much a shock that they're leaving because we sort of all had heard the rumours, and I'm a firm believer in you know, where there's smoke, there's there's fire. So, but just to finally hear the news come out and the confirmation that uh, Team Penske were pulling out of DJR. And, uh, you know, Scott was leaving to go to America. I wasn't so worried about the Scott going to America part because uh, that's a great opportunity for him. But uh, I think, you know, for Team Penske to, to leave DJR, to leave Supercars, um, they do leave a big hole. There's no doubt about it. They've done you know, amazing things for the sport, um, not only for Dick Johnson Racing, but they've made the sport better. There's, there's no doubt about it. Now, I don't think it's a reflection on Supercars. You know, I think supercars is an, an amazing category. I think they're one of the best touring car categories in the world. I think it just shows the the struggle, I guess, that COVID has had on um, even, you know, massive organisations like Roger Penske's businesses uh, across the world. You know, he's, he's had to make cutbacks and just like everybody else. And, you know, I don't think in an ideal world he would have done it, but he's had to do it. And uh, that's just the way it goes. So, the team is definitely going to have a different makeup from now on. Ryan Story will take the reins with Dick Johnson. And, uh, you know, they'll, they'll field two Mustangs like they have in the past six years. So nothing really changes from that point of view. But it is a bit of a shame to lose such an iconic name within the sport that we love in supercars. Yeah, look, one uh, iconic American name leaves, but we still have the uh, one of the, the true icons of Australian motorsport, remaining and uh, potentially retaining even more of an interest in the the team that was built on Dick's long lasting success, you know, 40 years since he clobbered the rock at Mount Panorama, which, which truly turned him into a folk hero. And, you know, the amount of success that he's had over, over all of the years and the devastations that he's had over the years. And, you know, he somehow he continually finds a way to 
to come back, to fight back from those things. And I guess the question that a lot of the Ford fans are going to be asking is, can they, can that team continue the success, particularly when it looks like Cam Waters and Tickford are just on the edge of also being really, really competitive as well? I mean, personally, I think they can. Uh, you know, they've got a lot of momentum on their side. They're the team's champion, the series champion. They, they obviously know how to do it. And, and, and there's only really uh, Scott McLaughlin missing from that equation. I know he plays a very big role, but you've still got the bones of the team there um, that make it all happen, uh, that will go into next year. And the cars are going to be very similar. Um, there's no real rule changes. So I can't see why they won't be a contender next year in the championship. I mean, obviously, we've got to work out exactly who the drivers are going to be. And I say drivers because it's you know, a lot of speculation that Fabian won't be there either. We haven't had that com- confirmed just yet. But, you know, there's so many rumours around drivers going there that, again, where there's smoke, there's fire. Yeah, cool. So, I guess... Um... Uh, look, you're uh, still kind of contracted to that team, so I won't let you say it. I'll say it. Um, but, uh, yeah, Will Davison and Anton Di Pasquale have long been linked to those two seats. Uh, so it will be, um, I think, just a matter of formality before they're confirmed. And I guess now that the season's over, there's a fair chance that it might be uh, sooner rather than later that we that we hear about, you know, exactly those two guys are going to go there i read some reports that shell remain will remain as as the primary team sponsor which is again a great continuation of dick's long-time association with the fuel and oil brand so that's terrific and i think shell cars always look good as well like um, Mm. that they'll um they they certainly play their part in in the in the whole show um yeah and then i guess we get to co-drivers which uh you know you've been part of that team for the for the past five years so i guess uh, what since penske has been in the sport you've been a, a a co-driver for them as well what's the read on it from your point of view for uh for 2021 i mean there's a lot of uncertainty around it and uh i wouldn't say that i'm fully comfortable um, but I am contracted at the moment. Um, you know, it's up to the team if they're going to take up that option. So I haven't been officially told that they're not going to just yet. So I'll hang in there for a little bit longer. We just really got to wait and see. I think the co-driver thing's probably down the list a little bit on things they've got to sort out right now. I mean, I think, you know, it's been said in the media that Scott will come back and do Bathurst in one of the cars. So there's effectively only, you know, potentially one seat there as a co-driver. Uh, to fill. So at the moment, you know, there's probably too many drivers hanging around, um, myself and Tim Slade, uh, and maybe Fabian, I, I don't know, to fill that seat. So we'll wait and see. My fingers crossed, I'd love to stay there. I mean, I've been part of the furniture there for the last five years and I love the team and it'd be a great opportunity, but we'll just have to wait and see, mate. What sort of, what sort of furniture are you? Are you like a chair or a, a little <laughs> table or um, a footstool? Just a little footstool. <laughs> <laughs> that occasionally people just stomp on. <laughs> Very good. Um, okay, so uh, that was uh, that certainly took up most of the uh, major supercars news. Um, so McLaughlin is out of his supercars drive, but already over competing in IndyCar as well. He he practiced really well. He was inside the top ten. Didn't qualify quite as well. Didn't get the most out of the 
the brand new soft compound tire that they had and then was ultimately uh, involved in a, in a bit of an incident. But um, you woke up early. I have no doubt you were doing some exercise while you were watching him at uh, <laughs> 5.30 in the morning. Uh, what was your take on Scotty Mack's IndyCar debut? Oh, look, it was a, I mean, it was a massive task for him. I mean, to think that he was going to finish in the top 10 or, or better than that was very optimistic, I think. I mean, he'd never been to the track. He's got such limited experience in these cars. The best thing that he could hope for, I think, would be to would, would have been just to finish the race. Um, very, very hot conditions, 100 laps around St. Pete. And it looks like an absolute arm wrestle around there in one of those cars. I mean, you're basically under-tired, overpowered vehicle that's super fast that he's not confident with just yet i mean it would have been really tricky so look he was making some progress in the race he was moving forward with a bit of attrition but yeah he tried to make a move there on another guy and unfortunately the car stepped out and he went around and uh, got collected by another car so there was quite a few cars hitting walls and drivers starting to become quite fatigued during the race and it looked like as soon as you stepped off the line uh, onto the marbles, you were toast. So, yeah, a bit of a disappointing end, I guess. But, you know, I don't think anyone really had high expectations that he was going to go out there and dominate like we've seen in supercars. Um, but I know that he's got quite a big testing program coming up after uh, this event. And uh, he gets into that pretty soon with some oval testing and some rookie test days, I think. Uh, and he's going to live near the team as well. So he'll use this opportunity to try and learn as much as he can, get in the simulator, and prepare himself for next year. I think just physically as well, he at least he knows what it's going to take to get his body ready for the challenge. And uh, you know, next year is going to be so much learning for him to do. You know, the oval stuff, it's seriously warp speed is going to be something very new to him, not something he's grown up with. And um, you can't underestimate that challenge and can't underestimate the drivers that have been in that championship for the, the amount of years they have. So... I think hopefully next year he can become, you know, maybe rookie of the year, something like that. And that'll uh, springboard him into being a contender in the following year. Yep. Now time differences makes it very hard for us to get Scott onto the phone. But what we did was I was trying to think of who is the person who loves IndyCar the most. And his name is Richard Crail. He is from uh, the race talk loves IndyCar and uh, I know he was following the uh, Scott McLaughlin's debut very closely and not only Scott's debut but also the it was the final round of the IndyCar championship which uh, Scott's fellow Kiwi friend Scott Dixon actually wrapped up to claim his sixth title so I grabbed Richard on the phone to get his take on the St Petersburg race. And we've got Richard Crail on the line from the race talk. Richard, what was the bigger news from America <laughs> over the weekend? Was it Scott Dixon winning his sixth or was it Scott McLaughlin starting his first? <laughs> good question. Hello, mate. Are you well? We're pretty good down here in Melbourne. It's donut day down here. Donut Zero day. cases. I liked it. I liked it. It's the best duck in Melbourne since the 2015 Cricket World Cup final when Mitchell Stark bowled Brendan McCullum. I was there that day. Oh, I know you were there. It was an awesome day. Stuck at Sandown watching it on my laptop, but uh, good times. Uh, what was the biggest story? Look, I think um, I think Scott's story was probably on Saturday, our Sunday, rather than race day, because I think when he, in his first ever practice session, having not driven an IndyCar for nine, 10 months since, what, February, the open test 
um, at spring training at Circuit of the Americas, having jumped off a plane from New South Wales, having done all those things. Um, and then late in the first practice session, 90 minute, the only practice session, 90 minute session, he jumped up to third place in the times and ended up in the top 10. I reckon that was the big story for Scott McLaughlin. The race day, I don't think from that point, it actually mattered what he did to be perfectly honest, because he showed there in that practice session, what he was capable of achieving straight away. So I think that was the big story. I take nothing away from Dixon, like six championships. It's amazing what he's achieved over a 20 year career at the peak of us open wheel racing is incredible, especially when you take into account how the depth of competition in that field is phenomenal. So like current IndyCar mate has the second and sixth most winning drivers in the history of us open wheel racing. And I think the seventh and 10th are in there as well. Bourdais is right up there. So it's unbelievably competitive and for Dixon to keep doing what he's doing is amazing. But for McLaughlin to unload as fast as he was without any um, any real prep in a short race meeting in those conditions at that track was enormous. Yeah, we're certainly going to watch on with interest his uh, how he moves forward with his yeah. uh, IndyCar career over the certainly over the next couple of years. Very very exciting for him and uh, and, and great for us as well. Don't know about the early morning starts <laughs> though. That that's no. a pain. No, the time zone's not favourable. Every now and then you get a race that's late in the afternoon on a Sunday there, with like four or five o'clock, which relates to like 6.30, 7am, and they're pretty tolerable. So you can have your morning coffee and watch some IndyCar, and that's quite pleasant. But um, yeah, they're hard work getting up at, at 5.30 in the morning, for uh, which, which is five over here in South Australia, remember? So it was an even earlier morning. <laughs> um but no, it made it just super impressive. It, it sort of made me go back and just reassess the McLaughlin story in a way. And I realized that he's done exactly one, one race meeting in an IndyCar and two test sessions at the start of the year. So there's not, we don't have a massive body of work to go on, but the fact that he's been so fast, so quick out of the box for mine, it, it sort of made me go, well, we've all, we always knew Scott was good. And when he was in the Volvo, we knew he was he was very, very good. And then when he got into a Penske car with a great budget and a great team and all the brains and all the machinery to do the job, he's dominated pretty much for three years. So we've all known that he is right at the very top edge of the races that we've seen in Australian touring car racing. But you, you sit back now and go, well, for him to jump in and do this and be so fast and so quick from the outset, with only potential to improve, especially in the environment he's in, makes you go back and go, well, just how good is this guy? And like, what's the actual potential for Scott McLaughlin? Where, where's the limit? Scott Dixon's 40 um, and Scott's what, 25? So, you know, if he goes all right, he could have 15 years of IndyCar racing in front of him, if not more. Like how many Indy 500s could you win in that period? How many championships? How many races? So... We could be starting seeing something incredibly special here. Not that we haven't had that for the last five or six years with what he's achieved in Supercar. Yep. Yeah. Very exciting. Uh, what's he's? There's a lot for him to learn, though. Uh, mm. As you say, a, a very, very good start and a very encouraging start. But lots to learn. Is it getting the most out of those new tires, which obviously was a which he struggled with in qualifying? Is it going yeah. to be the oval racing, which he has no 
racing experience on there's there's a mm. lot for him to sort of overcome in the certainly in the first year two year or two seasons yeah well the the tie thing's an interesting one because he was at his best in the practice session on the the dunlop uh black tie which is the hard compound tire um and quite a few laps into a run as he built up pace and then he struggled to get the most out of the red which is their soft compound tire in qualifying, which is why he qualified where he did. Having said that, he was 1.3 seconds off the fastest time in qualifying. So that's not a bad effort. The the fact, I think there'll be some learning to come when they get to a proper aero circuit as well. Uh, and I, memory serves, he noted that when they tested at Circuit of the Americas, which has got a lot of long high-speed aero downforce corners. Because while a supercar's got 250, 300 kilos of downforce in current spec, an IndyCar's got probably 950 a thousand kilos of downforce so trusting that aero every open wheel driver i've worked with over the years it's trusting the aero that's the biggest thing they've got to get their head around and when you're doing it at speeds like an indy car can do that that could be a big thing so it'll be tracks like coda road america those really big ballsy american high speed um, road courses that that may require some finesse but Having said that, he's certainly got the cojones to just muscle up and do it. The oval stuff will be interesting. I reckon Will Power is probably the template there because um, when Will joined Team Penske, especially Rick Mears was was still the driver coach then as he is now and got Will up to speed very, very quickly. And Will has become an outstanding oval racer, Indy 500 winner, clinched his championship on the Fontana Super Speedway. So that's the blueprint and Rick Mears is still at team Penske and I, there's no reason why he couldn't do the same kind of a job with Scotty. And we thank Richard for his time on parked up powered by race fuels. So, um, okay. So that's all of the Penske and Shell V power racing news over and done with. There was also a formula one race formula one returned to Portugal for the first time in a long, long time. And uh, it was a victory for Lewis Hamilton, which doesn't sound surprising, but after the crazy start to the race where uh, it was passing and the light, light showers and a whole bunch of mind-blowing things going on, Carlos, Carlos Sainz leading at the end of the second lap, you know, there was, a, there was a fair bit of action happening, but the coolest piece of vision Tony uh, was Kimi Raikkonen coming from Nowheresville back in his Alpha to be fifth during the second lap. It was out of control. Yeah, not bad for uh, I think he's forty three, isn't he? He's been around for a long time. Uh, he's a young bloke. <laughs> um, yeah, amazing opening lap. I think he got ten spots there. He was on the softer compound of the two, uh, and with that damp, those damp conditions uh, or the light sprinkle. Uh, he just got through the field like everyone else was standing still. So that, that was really cool to watch. Um, and then to see Lewis break Michael Schumacher's uh, record is an amazing day. You know, one that he's probably, he hasn't had a chance to actually think about and, and for it to sink in just yet. Um, but what an achievement. I don't think him growing up as a kid would have ever thought that he would have got to that point in his career. But hey, he's still got a few more years to go and he'll smash that out of the park. Yeah, you would imagine so. Um, I heard someone I heard someone today saying, oh, you know, you'll probably end up with about 130 Grand Prix win. But that's assuming, of course, that, you know, he stays with Mercedes or, or if he does switch teams, he switches teams to a, to a team that can help him be 
as dominant as mm. as he currently is. Look, we've said it in this podcast, and we, uh, you know, it's just a fact of life that nothing lasts forever. So, uh, how long does that dominance uh, remain? Is something that we just have to wait and see. But yeah. Could you could you imagine that you know if Mercedes does hang around as the leading team and he is the mm. leading driver, he could end up with you know another um, 12, 13, 14 wins per season, and yeah, he yep. might end up with a uh, an, an extraordinary amount of uh, not only race wins but also championships. He's on the edge of seven, which will equal Michael in a couple of years' time. Lewis Hamilton is and will be considered the greatest Formula One driver of all time. He certainly will. And uh, it's just interesting to see, like, for next year with some of the driver changes, I still don't think, unless the teams improve and get a bit closer to Mercedes-Benz, it's just hard to see uh, another driver actually challenging Lewis Hamilton. Now, one thing, Grant, I did want to talk about Let's go. is the Portugal circuit. Oh, yeah, Aragon. Uh, that was amazing. It's an amazing layout. Um, so much better than these new circuits that get built all the time that seem to have all this runoff and you know, not a huge amount of character. The undulation in that place, it would have been like a roller coaster ride in one of those cars. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Now, I know you, uh, you love your iRacing, and I don't think that circuit is on iRacing, but... Over the weekend, I've just introduced you to um, my my level of um, online racing, which is uh, on the PlayStation. So it's very fun, very fun and very chilled. Uh, easy way to have a couple of beers, get on the phone with your mates and, um, and, and drive around. Now, that circuit is on Project Cars 2, which is oh. uh, my standard for uh, online racing uh, evening entertainment. So um, I'll, I'll have, have to, to check it out. Yeah, we'll have to uh, buzz around there in a uh, in a V8 supercar or a uh, or a TCR car or so, or something like that. And um, yeah, it is a uh, it is quite a fun circuit. When they go up the hill and then they go to a blind right hand corner, which end up ends up being like a little hairpin. Yeah, you, you just don't know where you're driving. Yeah, and that's yep. in, that's on a little computer game. I don't know what it's like in real life in a Formula One car at a squillion miles an hour. Can you imagine going that fast, sitting down really low and just not really having a reference point where to place the car and then suddenly a corner approaches? Like we saw a lot of cars off into the gravel trap early in the weekend. The track was obviously quite green. Uh, It looked like a a new surface as well. So I don't know if it had recently been resurfaced. Uh, But I'd never seen that amount of cars actually spinning. And I think a lot of it is trying to find the limit. Um, trying to tune the car to a track they haven't been to in a very long time. Um, but I just loved the circuit. I thought it was fantastic, a real true race circuit. And we're seeing a lot of them on the Formula One calendar this year where they're going back to some of the historic events. Um, and I reckon they're better circuits. Yeah, well, there we go. COVID is certainly going to leave its mark in a whole bunch of ways that we didn't really didn't really realise. All right, that's enough for news. You don't want to hear any more news out of us. Now we should go and talk to the new Bathurst 1000 champion, Shane Van Gisbergen. So Shane has, uh, he collected the Peter Brock trophy with Garth Tander, headed to the airport and went straight over to Auckland where he is uh, currently detained in a hotel room for uh, two straight weeks. He's uh, now done one week of that. And uh, we thought that it would be a good time to uh, kill a little bit of his time 
and and have a chat and go through his amazing Bathurst 1000 win uh, plus anything else that we can sort of think of that we can uh, shoot down the phone to him. So here we go. Shane Van Gisbergen on Parked Up, powered by Race Fuels. And it's great to welcome Shane Van Gisbergen on to the Parked Up podcast, the recent Bathurst 1000 winner. Shane, you've gone from winning the greatest race to spending two weeks uh, in quarantine over uh, in New Zealand there. Talk about going from highs to lows. Oh, I don't know if I'd call it a low. Um, yeah, got some cool stuff waiting for me when I get out. So just thinking about that. But um, yeah, almost halfway through. It's not too bad. So what are you going to do? What's the first thing you're going to do when you get out? Uh, I don't know. I haven't thought about that. Uh, but yeah, got got the next morning going to go and build my motorbike up, bought a motorbike. So probably take it to the track that afternoon and um, yeah, go for a ride and get moving again. Um, so uh, the your Bathurst win was it feels like a long time coming. Like you're still only a young bloke, but you've been trying to win that race for for quite some time, so close in 2014 and in 2017 and, and possibly a couple of others as well. Um, yep. On reflection, a relief to take the win? Oh, relief's not the right word. Like I don't, uh, I don't you know, think about the other ones. Obviously they got away, but um, it's just racing. It's just another race win, but it's the biggest race win of certainly of my life and the race you want to win in this part of the world. So yeah, relief is not the right word, but um, certainly super stoked about it. I guess yeah, you're stoked to be back uh, on home soil. Still a, yeah. another week, as you say, to, to get back out. Uh, I actually spoke to your dad for our pod last week, uh, and uh, as excited oh, yeah. as he was, he was gutted that he wasn't there for the win as well. It was a, a similar feeling, not not being able to, like, look, 2020 is a weird year, but... Um, yeah. Uh, was it was it a, you know a little bit disappointing not having you know that regular support crew like your family there to to see you take the win? Yeah, what what day did you speak to him? I uh, <laughs> I couldn't get any sense out of him till Tuesday or Wednesday. <laughs> yeah, well, I spoke I spoke to him on Monday and he was a oh, little shit. croaky. He was a little croaky. He was a little croaky. <laughs> yeah, I, I rang him like a, it must have been an hour after the race when I finally got to my phone and I could barely understand him. <laughs> he had a, Day. but um yeah it's a, it's a shame you know he normally comes over with a good bunch of friends and supporters and then of course i have a bunch of friends that come over every year that love the race so yeah it was a shame to not have them there and of course the fans in general um yeah it's it's a lot way the world is at the moment unfortunately and hopefully next year or in another time he can be there for for hopefully i win it again hopefully not mate come on you already won one <laughs> It was strange though behind the pits. There's, there's no doubt about it. it. Lacked a lot of vibe at the event, and like for me, it's the first event that I'd attended all year. So you know, you guys have potentially gotten gotten used to that feel. But the race was just as electric as normal. Um, especially you know those last three stints for the main drivers. It was pretty intense to watch. I can only imagine what it was like uh, racing at the front. You had a lot of pressure from Cam Waters. Um, did you have the race under control, or was Cam? legitimately uh you know putting you under pressure uh yeah so i don't know about under fully control but certainly the first three or four laps of a stint he was going quicker than i wanted to go and he was always putting me under pressure and then once the tires stabilize as you know yourself and 
it's been well documented this year it's pretty impossible to pass anyone so once we're up to speed I just sort of held him there and then my speed at the end of the stints was really good and I could I could gap him a bit but um yeah it was weird you know being able to walk to the truck from the truck to the garage you know normally you're just getting stopped three or four times every time and certainly a weird feeling not having that atmosphere and you know qualifying especially the intensity was still there but in the shootout you miss that crowd reaction like normally every time there's a green or a red box the crowd just goes nuts um and we certainly miss that crowd reaction of the shootout that's normally you know when you're waiting to go in luckily i've been one of the last guys in previous years and hear the crowd going off certainly pumps you up for your lap so miss that a bit this year yeah it was uh it was a little bit strange that side of it um the aero wash that you know you speak about that was really tricky, especially when you were the following car. Uh, and I felt yeah. like even, you know, if you had more speed than the car in front, you, you couldn't do much about it. So you, you're in that prime position. Yeah. And as long as you could, um, you know, hold that position for long enough for the tires to melt off the other car, um, yeah. you're pretty safe. But to do your fastest lap on the very last lap of the race, I mean, that was very impressive. Yeah. Second last lap. Yeah, I guess so. Just uh, nailed it. And, you know, after the restarts, I knew if I got through, turned too fine and got to the fast stuff I'd be safe and be able to pull away from Cam but um certainly on cold tires he had a bit of an advantage but you're right it's um it's a shame the parity of the cars is really good now I think I think you know that it's pretty equal between them but it's to the detriment of the racing so mm. one more year of it and and we'll see yeah, so there's a fair chance that the championship next year is going to start at Mount Panorama for, I guess, what will be a sprint race. Um, um, yeah. The, the 1,000 kilometer race uh, ends up being a sprint sprint race anyway, but, yeah. um, you know, at shorter, shorter races. So uh, I could just imagine that qualifying for those races are going to be absolutely critical. Yeah, for sure. Um, but I think the series has done a pretty good job, you know, since the, um, we got back racing with the tyre formats and stuff and it wasn't as good okay at some tracks where the deg wasn't high but I think there is um, a tyre test in a week or two and they're going to trial a super soft tyre and that'll come in and hopefully make some deg and we'll have some formats to you know they're, they're trying things at least uh, the cars aren't going to change uh, they'll still be as they are but hopefully the tyres spicing is up and make some good racing again you know those those races felt like a bit of a lottery, but it was a lot going on. It's pretty exciting to watch and, and to be a part of. So we've got uh, one more year of the current regulations before we switch over yep. to Gen 3. You've been quite outspoken about uh, about yeah. the rules and you don't want uh, the Supercar Series to turn into a one-make championship. From what you've seen, are you excited to see something new come in 2022 um, or are you just reserving yep. that judgment until you see you know more of the tech regs that will come through? Um, yeah, I have to be a bit careful. I got in a bit of trouble. We've got a couple of words. Um, because, you know, my, my team and a lot of our guys are putting in a lot of effort towards those cars. And I think it's really cool what they're trying to do, um, lower the costs. And so it's more accessible for everyone. And I'm all for that. Um, you've got to have, a, I feel, a little bit of de development. You know, everyone will end up running the same setup. The cars will be the same and you'll just follow each other around. I think there's got to be a point of difference. Um, a few months ago, it was going to be a control engine. But one of the brands blocked that. So that was pretty good. So now we'll have different engines and it'll be exciting, but um, there's talk of paddle shift and auto blip and uh, 
that disappoints me a bit. You know, that's the coolest thing about our series, watching the drivers at work, you know, whether they're left foot braking and blipping, right foot brake, hill towing, and I reckon that's awesome. So hopefully it doesn't go to paddle shift, but, you know, at the same time, you've got to stay relevant. You know, you can't really buy a uh, H pattern car anymore, or it's hard to. So you got to stick with what's relevant, but I'm not sure. It's, um, I, I like, you know, having the things pretty pure. They're pretty awesome, our cars, and, you know, going up top. And I've been up top for the 12 hour. This is like the first time in 10 years I went up top for the uh, supercars. And I uh, wasn't <laughs> up there very long before I got in trouble, but the cars are awesome to watch, man. So I hope that they keep pretty simple, but um, stay exciting. Can Look you like talk you... us through that little uh, episode <laughs> up the top of the mountain with the police? Yeah, yeah sort of snuck up there and talked <laughs> talk my way past the guy. And, yep, you're all right, go up there. You're a photographer, media guy. I had my media, the media manager with us. <laughs> and, um, yeah, we ended up getting the code from someone for the keys and got through. And, yeah, it was all good up there until the bloody camera found me and then all of a sudden had a few missed calls and, Jamie rung and he's like, hurry up, get down, get down. The cops are going up for you. <laughs> so we've raced and ended up hitching a ride with someone down there and we we're in his van and the, there was cop cars coming up the other way. So we've, we've ducked down behind the dashboard and tried to hide from them. But yeah, got, got away with it. But uh, it was a bit stressful there for a second. And your thoughts of the cars going across the top? Oh, it's awesome. Like um, it was the co-driver session, but man, they were all all on it you know and seeing the cars ground out and move around close to the walls and how close you can be as a fan like it was bloody awesome and then we went to the chase um didn't get caught down there which was good but seeing the cars come head on just under 300 and screaming in top gear was pretty impressive how fast they are so you kind of get used to it when you're driving and you don't realize it but and you don't often get a chance to go and watch the cars. So, yeah, it was, it was a pretty cool experience. SVG, we've seen uh, a big announcement over the weekend with uh, Team Penske pulling out of DJR. Uh, so that yep. team's looking a little bit different for next year. Um, does that give you a bit more extra motivation that, uh, you know, you guys might be able to reestablish yourself as that number one squad in pit lane? Oh, I don't know. I don't think like that. Um, obviously been a weird few years um yeah it's um it's been good competition but um obviously weird competition for lots of things that have been documented and lots of things that didn't go public but certainly i feel like this year we did get beaten uh fair and square you know scotty was a better driver they were a better team made no mistakes and yeah you'd like to think they played it fairly every all all everything so yeah we did get beaten this year and we'll miss that but Certainly, they, they made us, uh, you know, raise our level in, in a lot of areas. But when you see what um, other teams have been performing like, particularly Cam Waters and, and guys like that, BJR at times, the competition's going to still be pretty strong. And uh, you see, obviously, DJR will still have that data. I don't know if Ludo's staying. But, um, yeah, I think next year it'll still be pretty tough. So how much, uh, like, the, the regs come to an end and these cars effectively get thrown in the bin, but but how yeah. much will you guys still put into making 2021 
a success and, and, and try and take another championship and, and Bathurst wins? Yeah, we'll still push hard. You know, there's obviously not too many areas you can develop at the moment, but um, the cars are pretty well refined now and they're pretty awesome to drive when they're hooked up. So, yeah, for sure, we'll be trying everything we can do to be competitive uh, next year, but you're sort of locked in with your engines and stuff like that. So I think it'll be the same cars same cars up front next year and then it'll be a big shake-up when the new regs come out and see what people turn up with then. Now, Scotty uh, went over, had a, he certainly had a different uh, post-Bathurst experience to yourself um, yeah. rather than going into quarantine, went over to the other side of the world to compete in a completely different type of uh, motor vehicle, of course, uh, over at St. Pete in the final IndyCar race. Did, did you get up and watch him? Yeah, of course. It's, uh, the time wasn't too bad um, early morning here, but um, I, was, I was supporting uh, Scotty Dixon, but of course... I had uh, the radios up. I had them for both. So cheering for both. And, um, you know, now I can cheer and go for Scotty again. He's always been a friend, but now I can actually cheer for him. So <laughs> it was pretty impressive. And, um, you know, what do you expect? Like you're jumping in at the end of a season when those guys have had a stacked end of season like us and been racing most weeks and tough track, tough circuit, um, tough cars. You know, he did what probably we expected him to do and, probably learnt a lot and he'll he'll start off next year a lot better but um yeah i don't it was a tough initiation for him that's for sure but yeah i was i was also stoked to see scotty dixon when he just drove faultlessly and that's why he's now six time yeah an amazing performance by scott dixon um i've, I've kept an eye on it all year and it's been really cool to watch um he got challenged there in the end by Newgarden a little bit but uh not yeah. quite enough now, do, do you think uh, for Scotty McLaughlin, um, you know, next year's going to be a big year for him and a lot of learning to do. do you, how long do you think that process will take to try and learn a new car, a new championship, new circuits? Like, there's a lot to learn. Yeah, well, and, and the ovals. The ovals will be the tough point. Like, um, that's going to be crazy, but he's certainly in the best position. He's got good teammates, and from what he tells me, everything's open and the teammates are quite quite helpful towards him. So... I don't really know what their testing rules are like if they get much, but yeah, he, he'll be fine straight into the best car and how often they race. I'm sure he'll just get better and better. And um, the talent that he is, I think will show through. You saw flashes of it in practice. Like some of his laps in practice were pretty impressive. You know, they kept throwing tires at it and he kept leaping up the, the timing screen. So he, he'll be fine. And, you know, end of the season and then the year after he'll be, he'll be up there. That's for sure. Now, I know you've got a rally coming up in a couple of weeks' time, but does seeing Scott do, uh, you know, that completely different style of racing in a completely different part of the world sort of uh, get you motivated to do more of that? I know we've seen you do a lot of GT racing in all different parts yep. of the world uh, and, and do it successfully as well. Um, you know, I guess we've got to wait a little bit for the world to get back to some sort of normal, but... Yeah. Um, when it does, you know, do, do you see, uh, do you have a desire to get out and, and do some more stuff outside of supercars? I'm trying to do it all the time anyway. I had a pretty cool year planned this year and it didn't happen. So, yeah, hopefully next year it opens up. We'd love to do Le Mans and stuff like that, and maybe Nürburgring sometime, but it's just an unknown for us. And even now for Daytona next year, um, have a drive for that, but I don't think I can take it. Um, you've got to do the two weeks quarantine when you come back and 
don't know if we're testing yet or even if Bathurst is going to happen at the right time. So everything's just an unknown and uh, we're seeing it can still just keep changing every week. So yeah, unfortunately I can't make a call on that. Um, I just have to have to wait and see, but um, yeah, I've got plenty of years left and I've uh, done some cool races so far, so I'm not too fast, but um, on a full-time basis, yeah, I want to, I want to stay where I am. Like I love the V8s. It's the best racing and it's close to home. So yeah, happy where I am. How uh, flexible is Roland uh, allowing you to do some of these other events? Do you have to run everything by him? Yeah. Yeah. He's fine with it. He, um, I just got to tell him and as long as it doesn't affect supercars, I'm fine, you know, and you know, he's obviously not happy. I'm going to be on a, on a motorbike over summer, but you know, you got to do that stuff. <laughs> my, my brain just switches off and, you just end up lazy. I just got to keep my brain active and keep doing stuff. And uh, it's a pretty long two weeks in a hotel doing nothing or cycling on a bike. It's pretty darn boring. So I always got to be doing something. <laughs> I always got to be doing something and he understands that. So yeah, as long as it doesn't affect supercars, he's cool with it. So tell us a little bit about this rally that you're going to compete in. Uh, I think it's 15th yep. of uh, of November and you're doing, it's like a special stage. Tell us a bit more. Yeah, that's the one. So obviously amongst other things, the, the WRC was finally coming back to New Zealand, but that got canceled. So they're still going to go ahead with an Auckland rally. Um, that's on the Saturday, uh, which is a, a full day of stages. I think there's eight stages and uh, I'm going to be doing that in dad's old escort, which would be pretty cool. Um, rally something I've always wanted to do that's what he was he dad used to do so can't wait and then on Sunday is a is a rally sprint so a short stage and it's a knockout sort of sort of format so do that in the escort as well in the classic class and then hopefully in a in a full drive car as well so uh, Murph's doing it so we'll be going against him if I end up doing that it'll be it'll be pretty cool and what's what's Murph driving uh, he's in a little Barina, so he used to drive that in the New Zealand Championship last couple of years, so bringing it out of the shed and having a go. Well, Shane Van Gisbergen, we thank you so much for joining us on the Parked Up podcast. Just one last question before we go. We spoke to Scotty Pye a little bit uh, earlier in the season, and he'd mentioned that uh, you and him had talked about running your own podcast uh, in the future. Yeah. Are, are uh, plans in swing for that to happen? Oh, we haven't spoken about it for a while and I don't know, sort of, I don't know if I'm in the right position. I, there's so many things, obviously even Tony would still have to, even though he's not full time anymore, there's so many things you want to say, but you probably can't. And I'd hate that because you still, <laughs> you still I, I'd, if I was going to do something like that, I'd, I'd want to be able to talk freely and speak my mind and there's too many bridges you can't burn yet. So <laughs> I don't, I don't think it's the right time for that. And, yeah, then you're not you're holding stuff within, and I don't I don't think I could do that yet. So something would end up slipping, and I'd get in trouble for it. Yeah, yeah. that's we yeah, just yeah, we yeah, just yeah, no, we I've just had a few emails. Don't you worry. <laughs> we just <laughs> we just sit on the fence for most of the time anyway. Yeah, well, that's shit. I'd rather you were honest than out there. Exactly. <laughs> Well, cool, mate. Well, uh, congratulations uh, again on winning the Bathurst 1000. Awesome achievement. Uh, long overdue. And, and I'm sure you're hoping that it's uh, the, the first of, of a few more. Yeah, awesome. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. And we thank Shane Van Gisbergen for his time on the Parked Up podcast. Great to talk to the newly crowned Bathurst 1000 champion, Tony. But 
in typical Van Gies style, he's already thinking about his next form of motorsport competition. Yeah, it was cool to uh, see that he's going to do a bit of rally coming up soon. The one thing that I was interested in, though, Grant, was that he's got a bike set up in his quarantine in New Zealand. He's turning those legs over. He's already thinking about next year's championship. He's getting his, his body all ready to go. So I thought, talking about fitness, how's your fitness going? And I thought we'll get Lee on the phone and uh, actually get a bit of an update on uh, not just your what you're saying is going on, but actually hear it from the horse's mouth. Okay, cool. Um, well, my stuff has been going really, really well. I've um, been exercising every single day and uh, Lee and his team at Reaction Performance have uh, given me a bunch of set tasks and, and um, part of those set tasks is that you're actually supposed to have a day off. You get a, uh, a rest day, but I haven't even actually taken that rest day just yet. Even on what I was supposed to have a rest day, I went for a bit of a run and uh, kick the ball in the park with the kids and uh, and and all of that sort of stuff. So uh, I'm, I'm, ta- I'm taking the uh, the exercise thing pretty serious. Uh, having a big sweat every day, guaranteed, uh, and that's through a range of different tasks that um, reaction performance give through cardio or or hit classes or tabata or all these other things that are called stuff that i don't even know what it actually means but i just do what they say so uh but look i I, uh, as you say lee is a pretty hard taskmaster and we've got him on the line right now lee how do you think i'm going well mate i think you've put in a pretty big effort from where you started out you've been fronting up checking in all the workouts so yeah, I can see there's a lot more energy and, and you're getting right into the workouts, moving better. So I think you're doing well. What What's the next step though, Lee? Like I'm not seeing a lot of results here, mate. Yeah, well, look, he's, <laughs> like I said, he's, he, he's looking fitter. He's, he's a bit more upbeat, but he has had a birthday in there. I don't know if we can say what milestone birthday it was. And a, um, <laughs> We're avoiding and a Bathurst. So... And the football too. I don't know if you're a football player. So there's been a few too many cheat days. So what I like to think, Grant, you, you can't outrun a bad diet. So we're really going to fix our um, focus in on your nutrition over the next seven days. We've got a bit of a, a food log going for you to to establish where you're at with that. And we'll be able to tune in and and make a little more progress. So does that mean that he's just got to have celery sticks and carrot? That's it. Oh, he might be able to put some hummus on it. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we went for a went for a little run the other day, uh, Grant and I. Yeah, he he went good. I, I was actually pleasantly surprised. He he worked hard. I had to get him a towel when I got home because he was creating like a big puddle in my kitchen. Right. <laughs> oh, there's no question. He definitely puts in the effort when he's there at the in the workout. So um. Yeah, look, I definitely can see that you're moving better and and you're getting through the workouts a lot better. So the fitness has improved for sure. So there's no question in your commitment on on the exercise side of it, Grant. So thank you. Now I just yeah. wanted to put one thing forward though. Like we've just had some news from Dan Andrews, and it looks like things are going to change a little bit. Does that mean now that we might be able to get Grant into your gym or just you know step up the program even further? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's good news. So um, we'll be able to hold him to account and uh, really push him and, and dial up the resistance on some of those cardio machines and get him under some weights. And 
Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see. Um, you know the difference. I know a lot of people through our program have has shown some results, but there's always that little bit extra that you can put in when you get back in the gym. So, so that is good news. Hey, you've got a, a, a tailored uh, program for for motorsport types. Uh, Tony's one of your high profile um, clients. Uh, what other clients do you have in that motorsport world, uh, in our motorsport world that, uh, that, that are taking part? Yes, I've worked with uh, a lot of the up and coming guys through the Toyota 86 series. Um, some other guys like uh, Aaron Cameron, done a little bit of work with Tim Brook, Aaron Borg, uh, Josh Anderson. So a lot of the younger guys, developing guys that are really keen to get into that, that next level. I, I think it's an eye opener to them just to, to see how important that is. And, you know, we can see that with people coming out of, you know, isolation as well, going into whether it's co-driver or, or the DVS series and those things. So it's, it's really uh, focusing in on the specific requirements of the fitness as their particular category demands. So, yeah, yeah, there's definitely things that we can work specifically with people on that. It definitely helped me after not being in a car for quite a while. Now, Grant, each year when we do the supercar enduros, mm-hmm. uh, supercars weigh their drivers, weigh oh, the yeah. co-drivers. Yep. This year, five kgs down. Wow. Yeah, that's awesome. That's not bad. And that, yeah, that that's since I've been uh, working with Lee. So, hey, that's uh, the result right there. I was going to say the re- results are in the pudding, but uh, I definitely haven't had that much pudding lately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, it was definitely um, it was an interesting challenge when I got in touch with yourself, Tony, just being that you hadn't been in the car for so long. So, uh, you know, we really focus on, it, it was like the longest pre-season in history, I think. So Absolutely. <laughs> and I, I think it'd be interesting going into next year, we're going to have a lot of drivers who haven't had a lot of seat time as the seasons start to ramp up, back up. So it's going to be important. Like there's little nuances of, around neck strength and, and arm and shoulder strength and, and just general endurance to be able to withstand those heart rates for long periods of time in the car. Well, uh, I can't uh, can't wait to see what results you uh, can help me achieve in my non-racing, non-endurance driver. None of none of that sort of stuff. Because no, sort of what looking... about your project two? Project oh, two pro- on on the Logitech, mate. On the project cars, yes. No, that yeah. is very that is very important. Um, uh, being a professional, stamina. being a professional PlayStation uh, racer is well and truly not on my um, wish list. Uh, I associate the uh, those games with um, beer drinking and nacho eating. Um, <laughs> not anymore, so mate. I'm so trying the to. coming out, Green. We're going to fix that up. That's right. I'm trying to shift away from that. I'm trying to shift. He away smoked from that. me. He smoked me last night though on Project Cars. No good. No good for me. Expert front wheel drive racer around the Long Beach street track, don't you worry? I was going to say it just shows how much time you spend on that bloody thing. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, Lee, we thank you so much for your time. We'll check in next week and see how I go with my uh, seven-day food challenge with my celery sticks and hummus. Um, I'm going to do it too. I'm going to do it too. Yeah, I I shouldn't endorse. It's not quite that bad. Grant, we're just getting some, uh, there'll be a little more than salary sticks and hummus, but Perfect. Uh, we're just, it, it's about getting some accountability around it. So we'll, we'll see where you're at. 
Brilliant. Okay. Well, thank you, Lee and uh, Tony. We may as well just end this pod right here, right now. <laughs> another another week, uh, another week done. Any uh, any final words? Any parting gifts for us? Uh, no parting gifts, but it has been a massive week in motorsport, and hopefully, we've covered a lot of the uh, questions that people have uh, about the news that we've seen over the weekend. And uh, I think that's just going to uh, develop even more in the next couple of weeks and we'll certainly find out where all these drivers are going and uh, maybe even what my year looks like next year. I've actually got some good news coming up to announce very soon. So stay tuned for that one. Here we go. Baby number three already. No, no, definitely not that. Definitely (laughs) not that. Motorsport related. Thank you. (laughs) All right. Very good. Remember to subscribe to Parked Up on your favorite podcast platform Support those who support us, race fuels, motorsport websites, and reaction performance. And we'll see you next week. See ya.